A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare About this digital talking book Navigation of this digital talking book is by the CD file at the first navigation level Every effort has been made to ensure accurate conversion of this book If errors are found please report them to the Association for the Blind of Western Australia this digital talking book was produced by the Association for the Blind of Western Australia in Perth, Western Australia. To support the production of this and other digital talking books, please contact the Association on plus six one zero eight nine three double one eight two zero two or by email to D T B at guidedogswa.com.au Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. Fair Hippolyta, our nuptial hour draws on apace. Four happy days bring in another moon. But, oh, methinks how slow this old moon wanes. She lingers my desires, like to a stepdame or a dowager, long withering out a young man's revenue. Four days will quickly steep themselves in night. Four nights will quickly dream away the time. And then the moon, like to a silver bow new bent in heaven, shall behold the night of our solemnities. Go, Philistrate, stir up the Athenian youth to merriments. Awake the pert and nimble spirit of mirth. Turn melancholy forth to funerals. The pale companion is not for our pomp. My lord. Hippolyta, I wooed thee with my sword, and won thy love doing thee injuries. But I will wed thee in another key, with pomp, with triumph, and with revelling. Happy be Theseus, our renowned duke. Thanks, good Aegeus. What's the news with thee? Full of vexation come I, with complaint against my child, my daughter Hermia. Stand forth, Demetrius. My noble lord, this man hath my consent to marry her. Stand forth, Lysander. And, my gracious duke, this man hath bewitched the bosom of my child. Thou, 
Thou, Lysander, thou hast given her rhymes and interchanged love tokens with my child. Thou hast by moonlight at her window sung with feigning voice verses of feigning love and stolen the impression of her fantasy with bracelets of thy hair, rings, gauds, conceits, necks, trifles, nosegays, sweetmeats, messengers of strong prevailment in unhardened youth. With cunning hast thou filched my daughter's heart, turned her obedience, which is due to me, to stubborn harshness. And, my gracious duke, be it so she will not hear before your grace consent to marry with Demetrius, I beg the ancient privilege of Athens. As she is mine, I may dispose of her, which shall be either to this gentleman or to her death, according to our law immediately provided in that case. What say you, Hermia? Be advised, fair maid. To you, your father should be as a god, one that composed your beauties, yea, and one to whom you are but as a form in wax, by him imprinted, and within his power to leave the figure or disfigure it. Demetrius is a worthy gentleman. So is Lysander. In himself he is. But in this kind, wanting your father's voice, the other must be held the worthier. I would my father looked but with my eyes. Rather, your eyes must with his judgment look. I do entreat your grace to pardon me. I know not by what power I am made bold, nor how it may concern my modesty in such a presence here to plead my thoughts. But I beseech your grace that I may know the worst that may befall me in this case, if I refuse to wed Demetrius. Either to die the death, or to abjure forever the society of men. Therefore, fair Hermia, question your desires. Know of your youth, examine well your blood. Whether, if you yield not to your father's choice, you can endure the livery of a nun, for I to be in shady cloister mewed, to live a barren sister all your life, chanting faint hymns to the cold, fruitless moon. Thrice blessed they that master so their blood to undergo such maiden pilgrimage. But earthlier happy is the rose distilled than that which, withering on the virgin thorn, grows, lives, and dies in single blessedness. So will I grow, so live, so die, my lord, ere I will yield my virgin patent up unto his lordship, whose unwished yoke my soul consents not to give sovereignty. Take time to pause. And by the next new moon, the sealing day betwixt my love and me, for everlasting bond of fellowship. Upon that day, either prepare to die for disobedience to your father's will, or else to wed Demetrius, as he would, or on Diana's altar to protest for I austerity and single life. Relent, sweet Hermia, and Lysander yield thy crazed title to my certain right. You have her father's love, Demetrius. Let me have Hermia's. Do you marry him? Scornful Lysander. True, he hath my love, and what is mine, my love shall render him. And she is mine, and all my right of her I do estate unto Demetrius. I am, my lord, as well derived as he, as well possessed. My love is more than his, my fortune's every way as fairly ranked, if not with vantage, as Demetrius. And, which is more than all these boasts can be, I am beloved of beauteous Hermia. Why should not I then prosecute my right? Demetrius, I'll avouch it to his head, made love to Nida's daughter, Helena and won her soul, and she, sweet lady, dotes. 
devoutly dotes, dotes in idolatry upon this spotted and inconstant man. I must confess that I have heard so much, and with Demetrius thought to have spoke thereof. But being over full of self-affairs, my mind did lose it. But Demetrius, come. And come, Aegeus, you shall go with me. I have some private schooling for you both. For you, fair Hermia, look you arm yourself to fit your fancies to your father's will. Or else the law of Athens yields you up, which by no means we may extenuate, to death or to a vow of single life. Come, my Hippolyta. What cheer, my love. Demetrius and Aegeus, go along. I must employ you in some business against our nuptial and confer with you of something nearly that concerns yourself. With duty and desire we follow you. How now, my love? Why is your cheek so pale? How chance the roses there do fade so fast? Belike for want of rain, which I could well beteem them from the tempest of my eyes. I me. For all that I could ever read, could ever hear by tale or history, the course of true love never did run smooth, but either it was different in blood... Oh, cross, too high to be enthralled to low. Or else misgrafted in respect of years. Oh, spite, too old to be engaged to young. Or else it stood upon the choice of friends. Oh, hell, to choose love by another's eyes. Or, if there were a sympathy in choice, War, death, or sickness did lay siege to it, making it momentary as a sound, swift as a shadow, short as any dream, brief as the lightning in the collied night that in a spleen unfolds both heaven and earth, and ere a man hath power to say, Behold, the jaws of darkness do devour it up. So quick, bright things come to confusion. If then true lovers have been ever crossed, it stands as an edict in destiny. Then let us teach our trial patience, because it is a customary cross, as due to love as thoughts and dreams and sighs, wishes and tears, poor fancy's followers. A good persuasion. Therefore, hear me, Hermia. I have a widow aunt, a dowager of great revenue, and she hath no child. From Athens is her house remote seven leagues, and she respects me as her only son. There, gentle Hermia, may I marry thee. And to that place the sharp Athenian law cannot pursue us. If thou lovest me, then steal forth thy father's house tomorrow night, and in the wood, a league without the town, where I did meet thee once with Helena to do observance to a morn of May, there will I stay for thee. My good Lysander, I swear to thee by Cupid's strongest bow, by his best arrow with the golden head, by the simplicity of Venus' doves, by that which knitteth souls and prospers loves, and by that fire which burned the Carthage queen when the false Trojan under sail was seen, by all the vows that ever men have broke in number more than ever women spoke in that same place thou hast appointed me tomorrow truly will i meet with thee keep promise love look here comes helena godspeed fair helena whither away call you me fair that fair again unsay demetrius loves your fair oh happy fair your eyes are load stars and your tongue's sweet air more tunable than lark to shepherd's ear when wheat is green when hawthorn buds appear sickness is catching 
Oh, a favour so, yours would I catch, fair Hermia, ere I go. My ear should catch your voice, my eye your eye, my tongue should catch your tongue's sweet melody. Were the world mine, Demetrius being baited, the rest I'd give to be to you translated. Oh, teach me how you look, and with what art you sway the motion of Demetrius' heart. I frown upon him, yet he loves me still. Oh, that your frowns would teach my smiles such skill. I give him curses, yet he gives me love. Oh, that my prayers could such affection move. The more I hate, the more he follows me. The more I love, the more he hateth me. His folly, Helena, is no fault of mine. None but your beauty. Would that fault were mine. Take comfort. He no more shall see my face. Lysander and myself will fly this place. Before the time I did Lysander see, seemed Athens as a paradise to me. Oh, then what graces in my love do dwell that he hath turned a heaven unto a hell. Helen, to you our minds we will unfold. Tomorrow night, when Phoebe doth behold her silver visage in the watery glass, decking with liquid pearl the bladed grass, a time that lovers' flights doth still conceal, through Athens' gates have we devised a steal. And in the wood where often you and I, upon faint primrose beds, were wont to lie, emptying our bosoms of their counsel sweet, there my Lysander and myself shall meet, and thence from Athens turn away our eyes to seek new friends and stranger companies. Farewell, sweet playfellow, Pray thou for us, and good luck grant thee thy Demetrius. Keep word, Lysander. We must starve our sight from lover's food till morrow deep midnight. I will, my Hermia. Helena, adieu. As you on him, Demetrius, dote on you. How happy some or other some can be. Through Athens I am thought as fair as she. But what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, doting on Hermia's eyes, so I, admiring of his qualities, things base and vile holding no quantity, love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste, wings and no eyes figure unheedy haste. And therefore is love said to be a child, because in choice he is so oft beguiled. As waggish boys in game themselves forswear, so the boy love is perjured everywhere. For ere Demetrius looked on Hermia's eyne, he hailed down oaths that he was only mine. And when this hail some heat from Hermia felt, so he dissolved and showers of oaths did melt. I will go tell him of fair Hermia's flight. Then to the wood will he tomorrow night pursue her. And for this intelligence, if I have thanks, it is a dear expense. But herein mean I to enrich my pain, to have his sight thither and back again.
is all our company here. You were best to call them generally, man by man, according to the script. Here is the scroll of every man's name, which is thought fit through all Athens to play in our interlude before the Duke and the Duchess on his wedding day at night. First, good Peter Quince, say what the play treats on. Then read the names of the actors, and so grow to a point. Uh, Mary, our play is... The most lamentable comedy and most cruel death of Pyramus and Thisbe. Oh, Very oh, good yeah. piece of work, I assure you, and a merry. Now, good Peter Quince, call forth your actors by the scroll. Masters, spread your souls. <laughs> now answer as I call you. Nick Bottom the Weaver. Ready? Name what part I'm for and proceed. You, Nick Bottom, are set down for Pyramus. No. What, what is Pyramus? A, a lover or a tyrant? Or a lover that kills himself most gallant for love. Oh, there are some tears in the true performing of it. Oh, if I do it, let the audience look to their eyes. I will move storms. I will condole in some measure. To the rest... Yet my chief humour is for a tyrant. I could play Hercules, really, or a part to tear a cat in to make all split. The raging rocks and shivering shocks shall break the locks of prison gates. And Phibus Carr shall shine from far and make and mar the foolish fates. This was lofty. Now, name the rest of the players. This is Hercules' vein, a tyrant's vein, a lover. He's more condoling. Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Here, Peter Quince. Uh, Flute, you must take a Thisbe on you. Uh, what is Thisbe? A wandering knight? Oh, it is the lady that Pyramus must love. Nay, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, let me not play a woman. <laughs> I, I have a beard coming. Oh, that's all one. You shall play it in a mask, and you may speak as and I may hide my face. Let me play Fisby too. I'll speak in a monstrous little voice. Fisney, Fisney. Ah, oh, Pyramus, my lover dear. My Fisby dear. And lady dear. No, no, no. You must play Pyramus. And flute, you, Fisby. Well, proceed. Uh, Robin Starbling, the tailor. Here, Peter Quince. Uh, Robin Starbling, you must play Thisbe's mother. Oh. Uh, Tom Snout the Tinker. Here, Peter Quince. Uh, you, Pyramus' father. Myself, uh, Thisbe's father. Snout the Joiner. Uh -huh. uh, you, the lion's part. Oh. And I hope here is a play fitted. Have you the lion's part written? Pray you, if it be, give it me. For I'm slow of study. Oh, you may do it extempore, for it is nothing but roaring. Let oh. me play the lion too. I will roar, that I will do any man's heart good to hear me. I will roar, that I will make the Duke say, Let him roar again. <laughs> Let him 
to roar again. No, and you should do it too terribly. You would fright the Duchess and the ladies that they would shriek, and that would be enough to hang us all. Oh, that would hang us. Every mother's son. I grant you, friends, if you should fright the ladies out of the wits, they would have no more discretion but to hang us. But I will aggravate my voice so that I will roar you as gently as any sucking dove. Oh. I will roar you, and twere any nightingale. Oh, no, you can play no part but Pyramus. No. Pyramus is a sweet faced man, yes. a proper man as one shall see in a summer's day, mm. a most lovely gentleman-like man. Whoa. Therefore, you must needs play Pyramus. Mm. Well, I will undertake it. Oh. <laughs> what beard will I best to play? No, I what you will. I will discharge it in either your straw-coloured beard, your orange-tawny beard, your purple-ingrained beard, <laughs> or your French crown colour beard, your Perfect yellow. Oh, some of your French crowns have no hair at all, and then you'll play it barefaced. <laughs> <laughs> well, masters, here are your parts, and I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to con them by tomorrow night and meet me in the palace wood a mile without the town by moonlight. There will we rehearse, for if we meet in the city, we shall be dogged with company and our devices known. Now, in the meantime, I will draw a bill of properties such as our play wants. Now, I pray you, fail me not. We will meet, and there we may rehearse most obscenely and courageously. Take pains, be perfect, adieu. At the Duke's Oak we meet. And old or cut bowstring. How now, spirit, whither wander you? Over hill, over dale, there a bush, there a briar, over park, over pale, there a flat, there a fire. I do wander everywhere, swifter than the moon's sphere. And I serve the fairy queen to do her orbs upon the green. The cowslips tall her pensioners be, in their gold coat spots you see. Those be rubies, fairy favours, in those freckles live their savours. I must go seek some dewdrops here, and hang a pearl in every cowslip's ear. 
Farewell, thou lump of spirits. I'll be gone. Our queen and all her elves come here anon. The king doth keep his revels here tonight. Take heed the queen come not within his sight. For Oberon is passing fell and wroth, because that she as her attendant hath. A lovely boy, stolen from an Indian oh. king. She never had so sweet a changeling. And jealous Oberon would have the child, knight of his train, to trace the forests wild. But she perforce withholds the loved boy, crowns him with flowers and makes him all her joy. And now they never meet in grove or green, by fountain clear or spangled starlight sheen. But they do square that all their elves for fear creep into acorn cups and hide them there. Either I mistake your shape and making quite, or else you are that shrewd and knavish sprite called Robin Goodfellow. <laughs> are not you he that frights the maidens of the village with skim milk, and sometimes labour in the quern, and bootless make the breathless housewife churn, mm -hmm. and sometimes make the drink to bear no balm, mislead night wanderers, laughing at their harm? <laughs> Those that hobgoblin call you, and sweet puck, you do their work and they shall have good luck. Are not you he? Thou speak'st aright. I am that merry wanderer of the night. I jest to Oberon and make him smile. When I a fat and bean-fed horse beguile, neighing in likeness of a filly foal. And sometime lurk I in a gossip's bowl, in very likeness of a roasted crab. And when she drinks against her lips I bob, and on her withered dewlap, Pour the ale. <laughs> the wisest aunt telling the saddest tale, sometime for three-foot stool mistaketh me, then slip I from her bum, down topples she, and Taylor cries, and falls into a cough, and then the whole choir hold their hips and laugh, and waxen in their mirth and knees and swear. A merrier hour was never wasted there. But room, fairy, here comes Oberon. And here my mistress. Would that he were gone. Ill met by moonlight, proud Titania. What, jealous Oberon? Fairies, skip hence. I have forsworn his bed and company. Tarry, rash wanton. Am not I thy lord? Then I must be thy lady. But I know when thou hast stolen away from Fairyland, and in the shape of Corin sat all day playing on pipes of corn, and versing love to amorous Phyllida. Why art thou here come from the farthest step of India, but that forsooth the bouncing Amazon, your buskined mistress and your warrior love, to Theseus must be wedded, and you come to give their bed joy and prosperity. How canst thou thus for shame, Titania, glance at my credit with Hippolyta, knowing I know thy love to Theseus? Didst thou not lead him through the glimmering night from Perigenia, whom he ravished? And make him with fairy eaglers break his faith with Ariadne and Antiope? These are the forgeries of jealousy. And never since the middle summer's spring met we on hill, in dale, forest or mead, by paved fountain or by rushy brook, or in the beached margent of the sea, to dance our ringlets to the whistling wind. But with thy brawls thou hast disturbed our sport. <laughs> Therefore the winds, piping to us in vain as in revenge, have sucked up from the sea contagious fogs, which, falling in the land, hath every pelting river made so proud that they have overborne their continents. The ox hath therefore stretched his yoke in vain, 
The plowman lost his sweat, and the green corn hath rotted ere his youth attained a beard. The foal stands empty in the drowned field, and crows are fatted with the Murrian flock. The nine men's morris is filled up with mud, and the quaint mazes in the wanton green for lack of tread are undistinguishable. The human mortals want their winter cheer. No night is now with him or Carol blessed. Therefore the moon, the governess of floods, pale in her anger washes all the air that rheumatic diseases do abound. And thorough this distemperature we see the seasons alter. Hoary-headed frosts fall in the fresh lap of the crimson rose, and on old Hyam's thin and icy crown an odorous chaplet of sweet summer buds is, as in mockery, set. The spring, the summer, the childing autumn, angry winter change their wonted liveries, and the mazed world by their increase now knows not which is which. And this same progeny of evils comes from our debate, from our dissension. We are their parents and original. Do you amend it, then? It lies in you. Why should Titania cross her Oberon? I do but beg a little changeling boy to be my henchman. Set your heart at rest. The fairy land buys not the child of me. His mother was a votress of my order. And in the spiced Indian air by night, full often hath she gossiped by my side, and sat with me on Neptune's yellow sands, marking the embarked traders on the flood. When we have laughed to see the sails conceive, and grow big-bellied with the wanton wind, which she, with pretty and with swimming gait, following her womb, then rich with my young squire, would imitate and sail upon the land to fetch me trifles and return again, as from a voyage rich with merchandise. But she, being mortal of that boy, did die, and for her sake do I rear up her boy, and for her sake I will not part with him. How long within this wood intend you stay? Perchance still after Theseus' wedding day. If you will patiently dance in our round, and see our moonlight revels, go with us. If not, shun me, and I will spare your haunts. Give me that boy, and I will go with thee. Not for thy fairy kingdom. Fairies away. We shall chide downright if I longer stay.